so I had a friend of mine who owned some rental properties. It was like kind of like my first uh, mentor, real estate mentor. And but and there wasn't like I, I would run errands for him. This was a long time ago. And um, I wanted to be like him and own real estate and make money in real estate. But I didn't know how to do that. Um, and he wasn't actually able to really, um, you know, show me how to do that because he got in with money and things like that. And so I was, you know, like he didn't he needed carpenters. He, he didn't have any use for me, um, you know, as far as in the business. But then he had a, a vacant unit. And I said, hey, how about, you know, you let me manage, manage an Airbnb for you here. Um, this was about eight years ago. Um, and um, and he said, OK, he had a vacant studio, um, a non-permitted studio in, in Berkeley, California. He said, OK, let's try it. We, we furnished it. Um, I put it online and and I was pretty surprised and happy. But like guests just came and they just never stopped coming. What's up, everybody? My name is Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Shogren, here with my main man and brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What is up, E? My brother, I miss you when we do podcasts together, but then we do clubhouses together, but it's different, right? Like, I don't get to see your face, so it's, it's good, man. It's good. I'm so glad we're back. It is day, what day is today? 12, 13 of the year? 14. Um, 14. I am day 13 of my 75 hard. So if anybody in the audience is doing that, yeah, look at him. Awesome. So like you guys just keep going, man. This is when it gets, this is when it gets interesting, right? I realized that my inner chatter this week has been a little bit different, right? It's my workout. I think today was like 25 or 26 and your body's like, okay, are we going to stop soon? <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Right. Um, but I am hydrated. I feel like a plant. I'm like hydrated and healthy and just working out a lot. So just feeling very, very grateful. Um, I know I see you putting some work on your Peloton now too. Dude, um, it's addicting. And I think the reason right. I like it is because I can add people like my friends on it. So if we're in the same class or they've taken that class, I'm ultra competitive. So like I will literally <laughs> kill myself to beat them. And I was looking at like my average output compared to Kristen's and she was like, you're like doubling my output. And I'm like, well, one, you know, I'm bigger than you. Like that's, I would expect that. But two, it's like, I don't think I would push myself nearly as hard without that competitiveness of like being able to see who else is on. So I love that about it. And yeah, uh, yeah today's day five, I think. And I'm just yeah. going to keep it going until my, uh, till my basement's done and my tonal comes and start getting in some weightlifting going again. But uh, yeah. I'm loving it, man. But doesn't it make such a difference also for your headspace, right? It's like Oh, that's real. that's honestly the reason I do it. Like obviously I want to be healthy and things like that, but it's more so for just like clearing my head and put myself in a good energy space to just like get ready for the day. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the biggest thing for me every time I do the 75 hard is is I go into this 
warrior mode alter ego kind of thing and i become very proud of myself for for all the efforts and i kind of bring that i'm gonna just destroy the world kind of attitude that comes from my workouts to everything else 100 100 percent. well i want to get rolling on today's episode because we have a total stud of a guest i'm super excited uh today we have jeff excuse me today we have noah hoffman we know jeff hoffman we've got noah hoffman <laughs> on with us today and uh his background's awesome because he's done all three of the models right so he's got he hosts 27 units he owns seven of them. He does the rental arbitrage on five and he manages 15 and he's got about three to six more coming on in the next 90 days. Uh, he started with the management and then started buying conventional properties with his wife. And then they started partnering with people on owner finance and subject to deals uh, to acquire those properties with little to no money down. So he's, he's in the game. He's used a lot of these creative uh, financing deals and creative uh, acquisition strategies to build up his portfolio. And now he's leveraging all three of the different short-term rental models to continue to build and grow his portfolio. So I'm super excited to bring him on and uh, learn more about his background. So welcome to the show, Noah. Appreciate you for being here. Yeah. Um, well, actually, um, so I had a friend of mine who owned some rental properties. It was like kind of like my first uh, mentor, real estate mentor. And, but, and there wasn't like, I, I would run errands for him. This was a long time ago. And um, I wanted to be like him and own real estate and make money in real estate, but I didn't know how to do that. Um, and he wasn't actually able to really, um, you know, show me how to do that because he got in with money and things like that. And so I was, you know, like he didn't, he needed carpenters. He, he didn't have any use for me, um, you know, as far as in the business, but then he had a, a vacant unit and I said, Hey, how about, you know, you let me manage, manage an Airbnb for you here. Um, this was about eight years ago. Um, and, um, and he said, okay, he had a vacant studio, um, a non-permitted studio in, in Berkeley, California. He said, okay, let's try it. We, we furnished it. Um, I put it online and, and I was pretty surprised and happy, but like guests just came and they just never stopped coming. Um, and that was the first of many units that I ended up managing for him for his brother and then other people, et cetera, it just grew from there. But for a while, it was only that one unit for a year or two. Um, and I had other jobs along the way. And then, you know, and then eventually it became, you know, more and more units. And then my other kind of side businesses at, at one point kind of had to, I had to, you know, decrease those up, that other work. And then right when my wife took a certain job change, it, it was like perfect timing for me to just be full-time in um, Airbnb management. Yeah. So how did you, how did you get that idea? Like, have you, had you heard it somewhere or, or where did that idea come from for you to offer that? So, um, so my uncle was visiting for a wedding, okay. uh, my sister's wedding. And he said, he mentioned Airbnb. He said, my daughter rented me an Airbnb. I'm saying, I'm like, what's that? It sounds pretty cool. I looked it up. I read about it. And then it was in my mind and it was right around the time when my friend said he has an empty unit and it just, I just, it just clicked and I just suggested it. And he said, yes. Mm. Um, you know, I, I didn't know anyone else who'd ever done an Airbnb. I'd never been in an Airbnb. <clears throat> I just heard about it. Um, and I don't remember how long it was since then, but if I guess, I, I guess I could figure out when my sister was married because I know that first unit was about, uh, June of 2012 is when I started managing yeah. that first unit. So um, you were you were quite early, and and I love what you said just now because I think 
this is the reason why you should keep always educating yourself. And it's actually funny because Jeff Hoffman, which is the owner of Price, uh, of um, was it Price? What's Price it called, Mike? Priceline. Um, he talks about that all the time. He talks about how you should continuously learn about other industries so you can be cross-pollinating into what it is that you're doing. And you never know when the knowledge that you get from just a random conversation can apply to your life when you're looking for opportunity. And to me, that's what your kind of situation is. You just look for an opportunity. You wanted to get into real estate. You didn't know how to. And then this kind of just happened. So I love that story. In 2012, that, that's, that's a long time ago. It's a long time ago. And then the next one was a friend of mine. And this is like a, an important part of my story was a friend of mine said, um, hey, can you manage my, bro- my brother's unit in Vegas? And I said, no, that's in another state. I couldn't, like, that doesn't make sense. And they said, look, I have, we have a nephew on the ground. He can help if you need anything. We just need you to help, you know, set it up and, and manage it. And, um, and so, and I said, okay, we can try it. And then that was my first kind of remote management job. And, that, and then that became a bigger and bigger part of what I focus on. You know, and it, it forced me to learn how to delegate better. Um, oh, yeah. So, you got to tighten up your systems and kind of think through the whole process of how you're going to handle different things. So what markets are you in now? Um, so, so Northern California, uh, the East Bay Area, Central California, Fred, Fresno and Bakersfield, which are three and four hours away. Um, um, and um, Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So you're you're. Across the board. Um, those are, I mean, may, most of the units are right here in yeah. California. And, um, but I'm, you know, I'm planning on um, setting one up in Atlanta in March. And basically because of the real estate prices here in California, in Northern California, they're so high, the Airbnb margins are slimmer. Um, and also there's so many regulations that it really became problematic here. Um, so I started looking at other markets and, and so central California became my, my uh, gold mine. It be, it just was a great place for me to manage and own properties. Um, because, you know, I could make a lot more out there compared to like, I can make the same rate as I do here, but the mortgage or the rent is half as much. Yeah. So I learned like, wow, like it really does make a difference. You know, yeah. people are willing to pay more here um to own but they're not willing to pay that much more to to for short-term rentals like they, they're they're still paying a lot in other places too so so then i started saying man i really got to learn about other markets and i still feel like you know it's just tip of the iceberg i, I, I have to explore other markets recently I, I invested the 500 bucks in the air dna um they had that you know the whole united states plan where you could look at every state find the best markets in every state I, I did that to just look around a little bit and, and like record a bunch of zip codes, like in every state, most profitable places. Yep. Yeah. I yeah, love absolutely. that. So I now you guys chip in with me on that. <laughs> yeah. We did the same thing for our, for our mastermind, actually the whole mastermind signed up for it. Um, yeah. I love it. I'll do it all the time. So now the majority of your unit sounds like they're three to four hours away. So what does your what does your team look like? Like it are you using a lot of technology? Do you have do you have a do you have a big team or what's what's that like for you? 
Now, I'm going to the majority of them are still right here in my area. Um, so in, in East Bay, California, and then but but the new second, you know, second main area is Fresno, like you said, three hours away, three and four. But um, so I'm, I'm always learning and developing new tips or strategies for how I, you know, recruit boots on the ground. Um, in the beginning, I would use Handy, the app called Handy. You can like find a cleaner in any city almost and just book them for the next day. Hopefully they do a good job. And if they do, then you can just connect with them and just go direct from there on. Um, but then, you know, everyone wouldn't always be great. So, you know, you have to just evaluate after they're done their cleaning or, you know, and also it depends on, you know, how they like to work. They might not want to work with you direct, but I would, I always want the same cleaner. Um, so I would make sure they can do that. And then, um, but I, you know, I had, I, I had great luck, um, with cleaners, same cleaners for years. Um, but, um, but also, you know, <clears throat> now I'm feeling like cleaners, you know, you know, sometimes I, some areas I've had higher turnover in cleaners. Um, and so, so then I went to the, to the model where I'm looking, I don't want a single cleaner. I want a small cleaning company, Right not too big to where they charge me an arm and a leg, but not too small to where they can't work for me on certain time, you know, on holidays mm -hmm. and on Sundays and on this day and on that day. So, so now I want them to be, a, you know, at least like a three to five person crew or seven or whatever it is. So they have a few cars and they usually can squeeze in the extra cleaning on the same, they can do multiple cleanings in one day. Um, so they have to have a little bandwidth um, and still be reasonably affordable. Um, you know, but. So what uh, are you leveraging for technology? Cause the cleaning is definitely the backbone of the business, yeah. but as far as, you know, are you using Wi-Fi locks or property management systems? Like what is, what is kind of your operations look like to automate some of that process for you? So I've, um, you know, I started with, um, I started with the Schleg sense, um, and we use the wink home hub. And then I, I, you know, eventually moved over to the Schlage and Code, which doesn't require the Wink Home Hub. So I save a hundred bucks on that, um, even though the lock costs fifty dollars more. Um, I used to always buy the digital locks on eBay, you know, get them fifty dollars off. It takes a few weeks to come. Um, I would usually buy a lot of electronics on eBay and save save money on them. Um, I don't, I'm, I haven't been doing that as much lately though, um, just because of timing, you know. Um, but, um, and so, you know, at some point I'm thinking about switching over to the August because I know they have that pro that program to where they, they have a software where they can, it can automatically give every guest a new code, mm -hmm. um, without me having to do it. So, cause with the Schlage and code, I can obviously make my, make new codes and text them to people or message them or whatever. But, um, but that, you know, all those little repetitive tasks add up. And so um, that's, that's becoming a headache again. So, so having, having that um, automated code change every time and sent is probably um, the way to go moving forward. I think those locks might cost a hundred dollars more than mm -hmm. the Schlegs. But, um, and the other downfall that, that I'm really concerned about is um, they don't have a, a backup key. I believe you can't put a key back up. So with my Schlegging codes, you know, you know, you put, you, you dial the, you know, there's a keypad with the code, but you know, they have a, you know, the batteries die. There's an error, like an error malfunction happens 
often they die too soon. When I say often, maybe once a year, twice a year, you know, they die faster than expected. Like if there's any friction with the, um, you know, with the lock closing, if there's rubbing on the door or something that can make the batteries die faster. Um, so you, you, know, you so can I'll, get the August with a key because it just goes inside the door or you can okay, get, okay, like, you're right. It goes on the inside. The, I think when I look at the picture with that big round thing, I'm thinking it's on the outside, but you're so, right. It's on the inside. I'll give you so, a tip. Get the, get the Yale ashore lock okay. that has the August module in it. Okay. Um, that's a better version. I'll write that down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then from a, a property management system, like, are you using any tools to automate your communication or get on different channels? Or are you just going through Airbnb? What does that look like for you guys? Um, so I use, for my house cleaning scheduling, I use turnover BNB. Yeah. Um, and I found it's difficult transitioning cleaners to a new process. So like I've had cleaners who, ha who they're not used to uploading photos. Um, but I want, I need those photos now. And it's like, I, I'm, I'm feeling like one of my main house cleaning crews, we might have to, you know, sw switch them out soon if they can't get with the new program, you know? Um, mm -hmm. and I feel like they've been overloaded. Um, then maybe they started with, you know, kind of underpriced. So, and, and now like they're feeling the squeeze a little bit, not being able to do everything as, as we need, but yeah, so turnover BNB for scheduling, definitely. So the first software I used was Smart BNB, which was like the best thing I'd ever done. Like that, like <laughs> helped me yeah. a tremendous amount. I think so, that's the most common thing that any host will say about Smart over BNB. Everybody gets this like look on their face of just like complete relief, just thinking about the moment they added it in. Because yeah. it's literally, guys, if you're listening to this and you just have one unit and you're like, I don't have enough units to have Smart BNB, just just do it. It's yeah. going to literally save you so much time. And it's one of those things that the more time you put in it and to optimize it, the less things you do down the road. And there is a reason why every almost I think every single person that we have had on here that is a host has used it at a certain point in their journey because it's such a great product and it's so reasonable. And I think they're the ones that don't charge you if you don't use them, right? Like if you don't have any bookings, they don't charge you. So there's literally guys, you have no reason not to do it and they save you a shit ton of time. Yeah. I'll include a link to it in the show notes too. Um, I don't remember if they get something off if they use the link, but we've been using them for a while. Yeah. Okay. So we got turnover BNB, smart Sorry. BNB, the, the Schlage locks, uh, any other technology that you're using in the business right now? Yeah. Well, I, I just wanted to mention, I actually recently decided to phase out smart BNB to use Airbnb's new scheduled messages. And also I just finally hired my first assistant 40 hours a week to manage the communication for me. And I'm thinking between the new Airbnb automated messaging and my assistant, they should have that covered. But honestly, I'm thinking about bringing smart BNB back because <laughs> um, the new Airbnb automated message, it's not sending people the door codes correctly. It's not sending them the, like certain messages at the right time. Like if it's a same day booking, they're not getting the right message. Um, mm -hmm. So we're having to figure that out. So uh, we might go back to smart BNB. We've been off of it for a couple of weeks now. Yeah. Okay. And I cool. think, and I think it's very important as you do that, because I know, I know Mike went through this as well, right? It's like, we always are looking to ways to optimize, but you also have to, you can just put something in place and just look the other way. 
this is your business, right? So you really got to make sure that you put something in place and then go back and check, is this making my life easier or not? Because Mike and I jumped on something together. It's, it's, it's going well for me, but it wasn't up to par for him. So he jumped off. But that goes back to like, you're a business owner and you have to understand, is this causing me a headache or not? Because all systems are great until they don't work. So you got to make sure, one, that you can rely on them, and two, that they're actually making your life easier. Um, and if they're not, you got to execute, get out of it, reestablish what you had before, and get it right. Get it running. Yeah. What I want to talk about real quick, too, because we've been talking a lot about the systems, and you start off with the management. How did you start branching off into the rental arbitrage and then some of those you know, subject to deals and kind of walk sure. through? For a newbie too, let's, I definitely want to define like what a subject to is so they understand that model. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So we, should we jump to that right now? Yeah. Why don't we, why don't we kind okay. of pivot on that? Okay. All right. Um, so, so when I, in the beginning I, I had three jobs, I was um, managing the one unit, one or two units, and I was driving Uber and, uh, and basically Uber was the way I bought my first property driving 60 hours a week. 5 a.m. start, take my midday break, then afternoon. Like I was basically willing to do whatever I had to. And with two years of income, I qualified to buy a property even with air. uh, So I had my little Airbnb income, you know, um, and my Uber. And since it was all and my carpet cleaning business was my third business. I I would drive Uber early in the morning, go clean a carpet in the afternoon and get back on Uber in the afternoon. And um, and I was able to buy our our first duplex. So that was a FHA. Um, but, um, and then, you know, me and my, and then eventually we got off of that and then it became just Airbnb and carpet cleaning income. We were able to buy another property that was in the central Valley. Um, and then, um, most recently we bought another property like once a year, we're buying a property. We bought another property, um, with just my short-term rental income. Um, all qualified, you know, through a mortgage broker. Um, but um, but second. then I realized this is this. Oh, go ahead. I just want to acknowledge you because that's that's some real hustle right there, right? Like to do that and to work, like to get up at five and do it consistently and doing Uber, right? Like it's it's a matter of like how big is your why? And I assume your why was very very strong to get you to do that, right? Because somebody that has three jobs, I know people that have one job that is pretty pretty comfortable and then they kind of look around and they're like i don't want to do more hours how am i going to buy this property it's like my dude there's only one thing you can do right you either make more money you work more or you win the lotto so <laughs> there's really no other way to do it so i just wanted to just take a break here to like acknowledge how how much you hustle and yeah and, and i'll observe it. And, it, and at the beginning of your show you you talk about you know not coming from money and that's my story was not coming from money you know, we live, me and my sister and my mom, you know, lived together and, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. And so I said, that's the one thing, you know, or, you know, my mom, what my mother gave me was she gave me empathy. She gave me kindness, you know, all these great values, but not the money side. And I said, well, this is one thing that I'm going to make sure. And, you know, and I talk, I've talked about this in other, with other people, you know, my mom, you know, when I was 17, I was already maybe in or out the house, but like, you know, the owner of the property said, you know, sorry, we're going to sell it. You have to move. And then it happened again. A couple of years later, I said, wow, that's, that's a shock. Like, I'm not going to let that happen to me. I need to own real estate, you know? Um, 
Mm-hmm. So that's part of part of the why, you know. Um, I love it. Yeah. Awesome. And then also about that Uber thing, I know this off topic, but like going into San Francisco from the East Bay, the meteor, metering lights come on on the Bay Bridge every morning at 530. So that's when the traffic starts to build up. So you got to be in the city before 530 to beat the traffic. So that was part of the you know thing. It's like if I don't make that, then I'm not going to make the money. I'm not going to hit the bonus, et cetera, every week. So gotcha. And then you're, you're doing some rental arbitrage deals too. So tell me a little bit, a little bit more about that and then kind of how that evolved maybe into the subject two deals. Sure. So, um, so I used to clean carpets, um, had a carpet cleaning business with a friend and we used to clean this guy's carpets who owned a bunch of apartments, not too far from where I live. And I used to tell him about Airbnb. I actually got a few customers by cleaning their carpets, property owners, you know, I had some people hire me and things like that. And then this guy, I would tell him, and I even offered, and then when rent control kicked in, in my city, he said, okay, I'm ready. Like it took him one year to think about it. Like he said no for a year and finally said, okay, let's try it. So, and the first one, so this was, you know, a guy that I talked to and I've known him a little bit. And so he said, let's try. And the big first one I offered him above slightly above market rents because I was that eager to get in and, um, and a full month deposit. Um, and then, you know, over time he saw the way I kept the unit in great condition. He saw the house cleaners coming in and out. He was really like, you know, it made him smile when he saw how pretty the unit was. And so when he had another one, he said, Hey, you want, do you want this other one? I said, yeah, but I can't pay the full deposit now, you know, money's tight. And so he, so he gave me, you know, he, he gave me better terms every every next one he gave me. So, um, and finally on the fifth unit, um, he had for me, I actually said, actually, I don't want to do it because in this area that, that we're in, like I said, the margins are really tight. So his rent is really high. You know, he wants 2,200 for a two bedroom apartment. You know, it's hard for me to make money. Um, even though I can make money, but I have to work harder. Um, and sometimes I might lose money some months, you know, and so I said, you know what? I don't want to do it because the outside of the building doesn't look great. It's actually in a, um, it's not in a great neighborhood, like, you know, a lot of, a, a few challenges. And so he said, okay, don't worry about it. Then he ended up having another relative set it up, furnish it. They put it on Airbnb. And then I don't know what happened, but he said, Noah, please take this unit. I, you know, we can't do it. And so he gave, I said, fine, give it to me. It was already furnished this time and the utilities are in his name. And mm-hmm. so he gave me kind of a sweet deal on that one, you know? Yeah. So, and he, he, he left all the utilities in his name, the rest of them, they're in my, I pay him, but this one, he pays him. And then right now he has a, a, a number six and seven that he wants to give me also. And yeah. so, because, so, but at, at some point I decided, like you said, or talking about sub two was I, I would rather put money into my own properties instead of doing the arbitrage. I mean, I would do more arbitrage in a more lucrative market, but here it's, it's tight. Um, and I spend a lot on furnishing and setup. So, um, can you so walk, then I said, walk the audience through what a subject to is? Cause I think a lot of people will find that very interesting. Yeah. Um, so, so for the first thing I did was I looked at wholesaling. How do I hold? Cause wholesaling, what I heard of is, is basically marketing to distressed property owners, you know, finding out how to get them, how, how to find them and, and buy their properties below market rate. And then as I, so I went to a meetup and again, I was willing to drive three hours to go to one meetup because I wanted to meet people 
in that market. And it was just for one meetup and come right back. And so, but I went there and it was, it was an amazing situation. And I just happened to sit right next down to the Airbnb guy out there and we met. And then the host of that meetup, it was maybe a hundred people. Um, I met him and anyhow, so he, he taught me how I paid him to teach uh, like a fee to help teach me how to get marketing for off market deals. And then he told me about subject two. He told me, follow these guys on YouTube, learn about it. And then I actually signed up for a mentorship about subject two. So basically, um, and by the way, a lot of those guys started bringing me deals to partner on the other people in that group. So it's paid for itself over and over again, several times. But um, a subject two is basically like, so we just got one. We just closed on one recently in Bakersfield, California. And if, and so what it was, was there was a couple, a retired couple, they wanted to leave California, move to Oklahoma. They just took a, a VA, um, they have a VA loan, but they just refinanced a hundred percent. So the zero in. So basically they took all their money out of this house. They wanted to sell it, but they would have had to, um, then, you know, maybe they refinanced it a few years ago, but now they want to move. And if they, they tried to sell it for sale by owner, they couldn't sell it for the price they wanted. And a real estate agent told them, you know, if we sell it at, you know, we can sell it at this price, but that's not going to cover your mortgage and all the real estate fees. So basically they, they would have been short 20 or 30,000. They would have had to write a check for that. But instead what, what it is, they agreed to um, sell us the house subject to existing financing. Um, that's what subject to is short for subject to existing financing. So basically we take ownership of the property, but we leave the loan in their la- in their name. Right. So we do it all legally through a title company with real estate attorney, um, you know, and we take the deed to the property. Um, and then, but then we pay their mortgage for the, for the life of the loan off. Um, and if, and just like with any mortgage, if you don't pay the mortgage, eventually the bank will auction the property off and get their money somehow. Same situation. If we don't pay the bank will eventually get it back. I mean, that's not going to happen, but you know, just in case people say, well, that sounds crazy. And most real estate agents don't know about this. Like, you know, cause that's, we're, we're going, we're not using an agent for this, you know, um, we're doing it just directly with the seller. Um, and it saves the real estate fees. It, it saves the commissions, the loan origination fees. Why go pay for another loan? I mean, of course, if it's in your name, it feels more secure because the bank does have the right to call the loan due. Um, most mortgage, all mortgages have a due on sale clause, but it's not a law. It's saying they can if they want to, if they choose to call the loan due. And if that happens, then we can sell the property because we still own the property, except they have the first lien on it. And so, but in this case of subject two, if for whatever reason we defaulted on the loan, then the owner um, would have the, uh, the former owner or the seller would have an option to make the, you know, catch the loan up and take the property. Um, So essentially in a, in a nutshell is you're essentially acquiring a property by taking over somebody else's mortgage. So again, you're looking for sellers that are very motivated. They're in some type type of distress situation. They may be going through a divorce. Maybe they're lost their job, whatever. And they need to get out of there quickly, typically. So if you go to them, 
you don't need to work through a real estate agent. They're not going to have to pay real estate agent commissions, whatever. You can come in there, close the property quickly, take over the mortgage, get it current if you have to, maybe give them a little bit of cash to sweeten the deal for them. And they walk away and you just take over their mortgage. You don't have to go through a lending process or anything else. You just take it over and you keep it moving. Right. We still go through a title company and they make sure that all the T's are crossed and I's dotted. Um, And actually, specifically with this Bakersfield deal, because it was a VA loan, we actually are not allowed to get on title. But so, but what we do is we have something called a contract for deed in some, in some States, they might call it a a land contract. Um, But what it is is so now we've closed on the property officially closed through the title agency. But if you look up the property records, the sell, the former owners, they're still on the deed, but we have a first lien against it. So, or, or, or excuse me, I guess we have the second lien. We have a lien against the property. So they couldn't sell it without, you know, they couldn't go around and sell it without us to agree or something. Yeah. Yeah. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier, right? It's like the more, you know, the more ways, you know, how to, how to do things. Right. And this is kind of like the ultimate low, no money down kind of, kind of way to get into a property. Because now you're getting into it, low money now, subject to you take over the property and then you put on Airbnb and you're maximizing your income. And you really are, other than the legal fees, a lot of the times based on how good of a negotiator you are, you could literally get into a deal with almost no money down. And if these people are running away or, they're, or they need to get out quickly, chances are you can probably try to negotiate some of the furniture and everything else that is there. So knowing what you know now with Airbnb, this could be the perfect way to get into deals without even having to worry about two years of tax returns and everything else, because you're literally almost like taking over the mortgage. And if you ever like went to college, had to move out early, how you found a friend to take over your lease. It's kind of like the same concept, right? It's just, One thing I want to highlight on that though, is I want to highlight what Noah said was he went to a meetup, he got connected with some guys and then he, he paid for a mentor to teach him how to do this. Like he found somebody that was doing it, paid for that education. So a lot of people, they think, oh, I don't want to pay for a mentor or whatever. At the end of the day, they've made all the mistakes. So they're going to teach you, like if you can absolutely go and try and figure it out on your own, but you screw up one little detail in that contract and something goes wrong, you're out a lot more than whatever you paid that mentor. I guarantee it, right? So definitely invest in your education, whether it's books, courses, mentors, it's just, it's, it's how you fast track your success. Anytime I do anything, first time I ran a marathon, first time I started studying real estate, when I got into short-term rentals, when I was building this house, like I found mentors that could guide me through the process because I don't want to make the big expensive mistakes. I'd rather pay them mm-hmm. for their expertise and get me through the whole process faster and without all the headaches. Yeah. And half of the reason you wouldn't hire a mentor is probably pride, right? So you got to put your pride aside and just acknowledge it. And then another thing that I think it's, it's an overwhelming underlying message that I'm getting super inspired by from you, Noah, is just your willingness to do what is necessary, right? And there's a, this is a key to, for you to grow and to grow your passive income and your financial freedom is you got to do what's necessary because if you don't do what's necessary, nothing is going to change. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't, I wouldn't have driven three hours and three hours back one way for one meeting. Right. So I acknowledge you for that as well. Thank you. I I was so excited because I wanted to just, I wanted to network in that city. 
you know, I really wanted to. So I, I had to do it. And then with this second mentorship, like it was really, it was a lot more expensive. And like, I couldn't even tell my friends because they would have told me not, not to spend the money. Right. And, um, but I did it anyway. And, um, and like the head, like the, the main mentor, this is a, a big mentorship. He He's paying me now to manage his units, you know, um, you know, like, and he's introducing me to people, a lot of people who have, a, you know, hundreds of properties they own, you know, things like that. So, and so he's really promoting me throughout the rest of the mentorship. Uh, he said, and, you know, he's like, you know, we have a few guys who do Airbnb, but, but I use Noah because I know him and I trust him, you know, and. Um, yeah, I love yeah. that. And, and so that's the way, that's the way Mike grew his business too, right? People know and trust you. Sorry, Mike. But yeah, I grew my business all through referrals. I hustled real hard for a year to get those first few deals. And then it just grew organically through referrals. Um, but I'm curious, Noah, for you, like what's, what's your, uh, what's your plan going forward? Like, what are your goals for 2021 and you know, where are you taking this business going forward? Well, um, actually, so we're, we're probably in week three of my new assistant. So I have a, a, she's, she's a virtual assistant and she's knows Airbnb and short-term rentals really well. She has a few years experience working in, in this industry. So she knows, you know, she knows as much as I do about how the systems work. Um, so it's amazing. Like that has taken a lot off my shoulders, but instead of me talking to guests and cleaners all day. Now I'm talking to her all day because <laughs> so it's still like, it's still going to take some time to really get her up to speed and us to, you know, trust each other, you know, for certain decisions. Um, but, um, but, that, but I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to automate this business more. I'm trying to get more and more of my time. I'm trying to just increase my efficiency enough to where I can put more and more times into talking with distressed sellers about getting more property. So I am, um, and, and because I'm focusing on this, like I'm, I'm, I'm studying, you know, actually a lot of my time is I'm, I'm studying the art of talking to motivated sellers and, about their properties. And then, um, and it was kind of like, so, so I started to watch your second video and there was a, a woman who said, you know, because she was prepared, you mentioned Michael, Mike, because she was prepared, the opportunity walk, fell in her lap because she was prepared and because she'd been manifesting this. So I've been manifesting this. I've been making calls right now. I'm making two hours a day of calls. I'm cold calling two hours a day, talking to, to, to you know, people about selling their home. And most of them, you know, tell me I got the wrong number. They hang up in my face or they don't want to sell. And then my sister tell me, tells me, last week, Hey, my neighbor wants to sell his house. Would you like to talk to him? So this might be, you know, a big deal for me. And so, and everything's been going well. We talked a few times, you know, the last few days. So I'm trying to get more into, um, you know, rate, you know, generating a lot of capital by working with distressed sellers. And, and I've had, and so I've had a couple of successes so far and I'm, so I'm, I'm keeping with the Airbnb business, but I'm trying to become more efficient. I'm trying to, um, use more photographs um, and, you know, for inspections, I'm trying to, you know, I got to tighten up my inspections. That's like the hardest thing, right? Like inspect, like I recently I found a, a bleach stain on a fairly new carpet that the cleaners missed. So we have to make sure that stuff doesn't happen. The cleaners 
have to tighten up their inspection game. So we have to tighten up our management with cleaners, right? Yep. Mm. And it's all, it's all an evolving process. And the more you do it, the more you learn, you know, eventually you kind of hit a sweet spot and then you'll innovate again and kind of rebuild it. And it's, that's just part of the business. Right. And, you know, I learned, you know, a couple of years in, I, I had, everything was kind of humming and, and going on almost autopilot. And then I just explored different options and kind of rebuilt my entire system and it's working great again. So it's just like, I feel like if you don't continuously inspect your business for new opportunities, new efficiencies, you're going to fall by the wayside for somebody that's hungrier, that's going to just outperform you eventually. So I, mm. I love that, man. And like your hustle is, it's real. It's so key. Like it's, it's mm. just key. I don't care what anybody says. Like you just got to want it bad enough to do whatever it takes to make it happen. And like he said, I want to acknowledge you for that. Um, so before we wrap it up, uh, with our final question, where can folks learn more about you? You know, is there any value that we can add to you or any of the listeners can touch base with you? Um, absolutely. Um, so, um, Airbnb King Noah is my Instagram handle. Love it. Um, um, so follow me and message me there. I'd love to talk to people. If you have any, um, questions about any type of properties you're trying to buy, I'd love to look at them. Um, you know, so people are sending me deals to look at, Hey, someone wants to sell me this house for this amount of money. What do you think? So, um, I'm helping people look at those and things like that every day now. I love it, man. I love that. So the last question we like to ask all of our guests is what is your number one secret to success with short-term rentals? Um, number one secret to success is, um, is, is fast, fast follow-up. I think I'm, it's, it's hard. Um, it's fast follow-up. I think in caring, I guess it's hard. It's hard to put a, I don't know if you can give me a few suggestions, maybe that I can come up with something better. No, I think that's good. Cause that's, that's new too. And that's more from like an, a, an acquisition and growth strategy, but it's also on the guest communication side. Like a guest has an issue. You can't wait two hours to respond to that guest, right? Like it needs, you need to have a process in place or a team in place to get back to people, to let them know that you care, that like, you're not just like, you know, kind of that slumlord Airbnb guy to just make money. Like you care about your guests. You want to give them a good experience. And same thing with the acquisition side, right? Like you, if somebody gives you a call back, call them immediately, right? Like the key to success in business is speed, like just speed, speed wins constantly. You'll make mistakes, but you just keep moving. And I love that. Well, Noah, again, I really appreciate you coming on here, man. Definitely looking forward to staying connected with you and uh, seeing everything that you're manifesting and creating in 2021 and beyond, man. Again, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Super inspiring, man. Look forward to having you back on when you have hundred units. Okay. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Hey, STR Nation. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes. And we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.